Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Cesar Valencia. And my name is Lucas Gadam. And this is Explain This Senpai. Oh, boy, are we glad to have you back. Lucas, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? I feel like we never, you know, I feel like I never get a chance to just ask you about you. You know, the real Lucas, you know? How are you doing? Yeah, the real Lucas is uh, doing great, you know, uh, being an Uber driver and all. Uh, had some great experiences with that. Oh. Um, you know, I had some interesting uh, lads and lasses okay. uh, riding my car. Okay, spill the tea, um, okay. Let's just say I picked up two gentlemen from a gentleman's club. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> of which they had been imbibing in all of it. All the things that it had to offer. Uh huh. And um, during my uh, short time with them, they uh, definitely were going in depth about their skills in the bedroom. You could say. <laughs> you you mean like um you mean like how fast they can fall asleep or uh you mean like uh how how tidy their beds are how many pillows they have like that kind of thing. That and, you know, uh, with a partner as well. Ah, I was doing those things with a partner. I see. Refurbishing with a partner. I see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and they all, but they were, at least they were really, really honest about certain aspects of their anatomy. Yeah. And listen, isn't that what every brotherhood needs? You know, just like a little bit of honesty, transparency. I mean, I feel like that's what I need in my life, you know? Caesar, how are you doing? What's, uh, how's, how's it going for you this week? Oh, uh, well, I, I'm going to tell you this, bud. I, no, uh, no refurbishing over here. <laughs> just to, you know, <laughs> let you know straight off. Um, Man, I don't have really much going on, uh, but uh, you and I do have a wedding to go to here coming up in a couple of days, which is pretty yes, we do exciting. Um, so yeah, um, we will be doing uh, we will be doing a live recording of the wedding. Uh, we will be doing a deep analysis of the whole thing. Um, we're <laughs> we're like we're gonna um, while we're on the um, the aisles, groomsmen, we're going to uh, just deeply analyze. Um, everything going on. Um, they they're probably gonna hate it, but I mean it. Uh, I mean we have to do it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's just that's just what we have to do. So, uh, y'all, let's go ahead and get into our episode for today because things are getting ah, chef's kiss, nice and spicy. Uh, so Lucas. In order to break down that spiciness, that Scoville level for us, go ahead and let us know what episode are we on and what is happening within said episode. 
We are in episode 15, Special Ops Squad, Night Before the Counteroffensive, Part 2. And uh, to summarize it, we have Aaron and crew cleaning the head, the old headquarters, mm. and also Hanji experimenting on captured titans. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me that, here's the thing, I, I feel like you're in the wrong business. I think you should just reach out to, like, Papa Anime, you know, and just be like, hey, you should hire me to do all of the summaries that you do for your show. Because I feel like that's your calling. It's It just occurred to me. <laughs> so I really, really appreciate that. That makes me feel good about myself, let, honestly. Listen, I'm going to phone up Papa Anime and let them know immediately. I mean, we both have them on, on speed dial, so, you know. I do, actually. <laughs> so, obviously, we can't leak their information. You know, that's, you know, we don't want any of that. But, regardless. We're yeah, gonna... like I leaked my email last week. Well, okay. Listen, I just, it's, <sighs> I, I thought we were. <laughs> All right, let's how do you want me to move on after that? I'm just going to be laughing for the next hour. What? Why? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, uh, let's go into the episode where perhaps not as many people leak their personal information. Um, so right off the bat, what do you have, Lucas? What, what do you have in this in this intro? Because um, for me, I kind of go, I go in hard and fast, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to get there quite yet. What do you got for us? Gently lead us into this new episode, the counterattack. Yeah, we're given some nice scenes of like wilderness and whatnot mm. um, as they're traveling to this old uh, like Survey Corps headquarters. Yeah, but then we're given really cool like exposés on each of uh, the Levi squad members oh. which I absolutely love. Yeah. Um I so I, I don't know how you felt about this but uh this is something that I noticed for the first time. I I was thinking about the old scouts HQ which is essentially an old castle, right? And it to me I looked at it and and for and, and it just stood out. It's always stood out to me and I've kind of always wondered why that was. And so I kind of sat down and, and, and thought about it, reflected on it. And this is what I thought. And Lucas, I would love to know your thoughts here. But uh, I feel like it represents the continuity of time. So stay with me here. It's important to rem It's important that we remember that there were several decades, and if not right, centuries prior to the episode we are watching now. And, you know, we are currently, you know, in, in, in uh, the context of the uh, the show, we are currently in the present, but these people have a very rich history because this castle is completely derelict. It is abandoned. It is dirty. And it, and, and it's, and it, this is the idea that kind of stood out to me. Um, uh, I, I mean, am, am I off? Am I off here? What do you think? No, it definitely adds like a grounding to the world building. Like, mm. okay, no, this this 
wall and these people have been here for a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one thing that you mentioned is you mentioned that we have this kind of nice expose on, like, this, uh, on like this uh, natural setting. And, you know, I, I feel, you know, we just got back from an unbelievably intense arc, right? And, and the previous episode, which is also intense. So I, I, I think that the writers recognize that us, the audience, that we need a break, right? And thus, you know, on our way to the new HQ, we have a somewhat, uh, shall we say, pompous scout <laughs> bite their tongue while riding on a horseback. So... Uh, what what really got me, and I mean, it, 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 when you're just like stored up in this ball of like anxiety, you know, in the last arc that happened, I really was able to let loose, and and specifically, um, the uh, this exchange between you know this pompous scout and the newly introduced Petra. That this is the exchange that got me. Um, so the unnamed scout says, "Are you trying to nag me, Petra? If you want to act like you're my wife, there's more you need to do first. And then Petra says, I wish you had been your tongue off and died. (laughs) The thing is, it is her immediate response and retort. Oh, it's so funny. And, And this is Petra, who is obviously my one true love. I mean, I laughed so hard at this scene that I cried and I've we have we talk about this you know every now and then but we've watched this show multiple times over and I cried from laughing it was so it was so good and okay and to get back to what you uh to what you were saying right when they talk about all of these when they finally introduce these new scouts right they display the number of titans killed and you know the kill assists for each scouts member, and and it, exactly like you said it, the rule of cool is in full effect, right? It's so badass to see these numbers and these characters, right? And and here's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of when they displayed the strengths of each squad cadet back in training, right? Exactly. Yeah, and it's just. Oh, I don't know what else is. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say there. It's just so cool, you know. Oh, it's oh, I don't. Uh, it's I loved it, man. Um, and names. Um, so we have new names. We have um, we do. We have Petra Roll. Uh, and most of these, I think, Lucas, most of these are German names, right? They sound like it for sure. Okay. Um, we have um, Oru Bozad. We have Eldgin. And then Gunther Schultz, uh, who is most certainly German. Uh, but so, okay, we have all these introductions. We we know that it's going to be, you know, a little lighthearted, right? We, we get that. Where do we go from there? Uh, we go from there to even more lightheartedness where the Levi mm-hmm. squad starts cleaning the old ha- headquarters. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we also have a kind of a tent scene where they talk about Aaron's sleeping situation, how he has to sleep underground in the basement. Yeah, yeah. That whole conversation. Um, 
So that whole conversation, do you have any notes on that conversation particularly? Because there's one that stood out to me, um, and it's the one between Petra and Aaron. How how, how did that come across to you? Um, it came across to me as, like, there's still so much tension here. Like, mm. there is very little trust and very high tension. That's kind of the vibe I was getting. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I I absolutely agree. It's like palpable. You can just like, just like, just eat it like a snack. There is this like awkward like, hey, so <laughs> cool. So you're Aaron, right? <laughs> right. I already knew that. But like, but you're like you're Aaron, and <laughs> and I'm okay. Anyways, like it's this. You know, it's you can feel it in the way and their body language and the way that they talk. Um, and perhaps not so much Levi because Levi's just. Uh, I, he's just Levi, I guess. But everyone else, you can feel that. Uh, but but I will say, all of that considered, um, I really do love the conversation between Petra uh, and Aaron. Uh, so Petra is, uh, I felt like Petra is kind of doing her best, and it's not easy, right? It's it's not perfect, but I think she's doing her best to make Aaron feel at ease, you know, in the in the brand new environment that he's in. Because I mean, you have to remember he has no friends. None of his friends are around here. He's just completely on his own. And, you know, to summarize, uh, they essentially converse about the notion of idealized standards, you know. Um, And Captain Levi breaks the mold entirely by uh, not belonging to it to begin with. Uh, And, you know, and, and to add to that, the mere fact that Levi, and we find this out in this conversation, uh, the mere fact that Levi used to be a famous criminal also indicates, you know, this departure from what we would call societal standards. Uh, you know, when you think of a powerful and influential leader, the last thing that comes to mind, certainly, when I, you know what, let's do this. Audience, take a second. I want you to envision in your head what a a, a powerful, influential, strong uh, leader I want you to imagine what they would look like to you. What characteristics do they have? Okay. So, now, we have to remember uh, from what Petra has just told us, this is what Levi is. And the last thing that comes to mind, at least for me, and I'm going to be honest about this, is to quote quote Petra, uh, a leader who is short- temperamental, crude, and unsociable. <laughs> I mean, it's just... So the show here, I mean, I think they're doing a wonderful job of supplanting these ideas into the minds of his audience, right? It's saying that not all leaders are going to be the same. They don't have to be. Leaders can come, and these people of influence can come in completely different packages, right? Right. And I don't think it's forceful, and I don't think it's contrite, but I think it's pretty subtle and organic given this conversation. Because we have to remember the audience of this show is it, – it's a range of ages. For some of us who are, are um, you know, have experienced a little bit more in life, uh, in other words, older, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we probably understand this concept. But again, for younger younger viewers – they might not really be thinking in these terms. And so for them to hear like, oh man, a person who is who contradicts all of society's standards, they can be a leader. 
Uh, I think that's a pretty cool thing. And like I said, they do not do it in a way that is uh, that is forceful. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I, I just got really, I don't know, I got really wrapped up in that conversation. Um, and then we hear about the experiments. Um, so you mentioned um, Hanjisan, uh, you know, uh, is doing all of these experiments. So what exactly is going on? Walk us through it, Duke. Yeah, so Hanji is, well, first of all, names these titans, which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is very fascinating in and of itself. Yep, psychotic. And, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> uh, well, I would say psychotic until we get her side of things yeah. when Aaron seems more interested. Yep, yep. And how Hanji, like, really reacts to that. But they pin them down. She's constantly almost getting eaten. She tries to communicate with them. And also does some experimentation on what happens when you hide them from sunlight. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so, okay. First of all, I just want to go on record to say that Sonny and Bean are so cute. The names. They are cuties. Oh, the names are so cute. And when she says it, Sonny, Bean. Oh, I love the names. Like, don't get me wrong. I know these are times that could literally re- like rip me apart from limb to limb in a point two seconds, but just the names, Sonny and Bean. If I okay, how sick would it be if uh if when I get like dogs, I name I I get two, I name them Sonny and Bean. <laughs> that would be so cute. I would love those dogs. <laughs> Dude, that'd be so sick. Okay, so <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> sorry. Back to um, all right, professional. Uh, Okay, aha, uh-huh. uh, taxes, haha, <laughs> uh, crypto. All right, I'm back in. So, uh, all right, so Lucas, um, there, uh, there's a monologue, right? And, and, and you just, uh, and, um, we just went over kind of what it goes over, but I want to know what is your take on Hanjasan during this entire experiment monologue? Like, what did it make you, what, what was your takeaway there? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, Cease, because Mm. the thing I was taking away was I was like, wow, Hanji is like really humanizing Mm -hmm. these creatures that have done nothing but consume humanity, including, as she points out, her own friends, right? She has lost so many people to these titans, but yet she has this like approach to them like oh they're just kind of doing these what's in their nature to do so i'm not going to hold bitterness against them instead i want to understand them because there's something about them that kind of reminds me of myself and i want to search deeper Mm -hmm. and find what that is like why do i see myself in these titans yeah absolutely and think of two um, the stereotypical, uh, you know, quote unquote, mad scientist trope, right? Every single one of them is socially awkward. Uh, they are, de- this is the way that they're normally depicted. Uh, they're socially awkward. Um, they are, uh, pretty, uh, they lack, um, any kind of like compassion or empathy. Uh, and they, uh, focus so much more on, uh, on, they fascinate so much more on things that are not human, right? But 
Honda-san, again, just like Levi, completely breaks the mold here. So, uh, you know, and and it, and this 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 train of thought led me to thinking that I really walked away from her uh, experiment monologue with just thinking about her humanity and compassion, right? Like it just it stood out to me, you know, and. As she's stabbing Bean in the eye, she is screaming and crying. And a soldier, and 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 I'll be honest too, like I'm, I'm also like, you know, kind of chuckling during this because you know it starts as a, it starts off as a light, you know, lighthearted episode, and especially when the soldier tells her section commander, "There's no need for you to scream," right? That's inherently funny, but her response completely shuts that down. And it shuts down the audience, which I think is just brilliant, because her response is, I can't do this and not, this is a quote, I can't do this and not scream. Bean is in so much pain. You know, and to her, these lumbering creatures are still organic with the capacity to feel pain. Okay, with the capacity to just feel, right? So... She is being objective when it comes to her view of the world. And to me in this, so far, and I don't know, maybe I'm just too much of an altruist, but I think that, you know, to me that makes her pretty admirable. So, uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was a, a pretty beautiful, um, a pretty beautiful moment. Um, and so, uh, where do we go from here? Uh, so, we just hear about this and what happens afterwards. Um, well, Hanji comes to a big conclusion mm. that the Titans don't weigh as much as they should. Oh, yeah. They are very light for their size. Yeah. The implication here seems to be that, like, there's a lot of space or gaps in between, like, these Titans' sizes. Like, something is wrong with their anatomy. Yeah. Like, they, they literally should not be able to exist, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, And then, then we have this big, shocking reveal at the end. And Oh, my goodness, do we ever. So, what happens, Duke? Well, are you talking about the Titans being killed? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, well, I'm not talking about the the outro yet. We'll get there. But j- oh, okay, j- okay. The episode proper. Yes, yes. Our our Titans are found, def- killed and dead, and Hanji Sonny is and not Bean. happy about it. I'm not happy about it either. I know. I miss them too. I miss them too. C's. They will forever be in our hearts. Okay. So what do we find out? We find out that there is traitors among us. Or it was just the military police because they're not true, the greatest. True. So uh we Okay, so we end up um we, we end up finding out that whoever killed um Sonny and Bean, they escaped using ODM gear. So this fact, and this is revealed, this fact means that they knew how to use Odium gear to begin with. So we only have a select few that could have been responsible for this. Um, and so, uh, it, like, like exactly like you said, 
Uh, it could have been the MPs, right? V varies. We know that they are pretty, you know, we know that they are butting heads with the scouts, right? It seems a pretty uh, thing that they would do, right? But the answer we are missing here is to the question, why? Why, why? would they go to all the trouble of killing these two test subjects? Because this isn't like, like, oh, they're dead. All right, well, moving on. What's the next thing? This is going to be a huge deal because this is messing with military operations, which, you know, as we all know, military operations are pretty much the number one, you know, one of the number one priorities, uh, you know, uh, as this, as these humans have proved, even above keeping humans alive, which, again, the, the paradox is unbelievable, but... This will, there will be, um, there will, there will be consequences. And, and additionally, um, we have this, uh, we have this, like, pretty spooky little mini scene where, um, Commander Erwin, um, goes up very close to Aaron, um, and secretly kind of asks him, what do you see here? What do you think the enemy is? What do you think the enemy is? Ooh. That question got me. Yeah. Because he didn't ask, who yes. do you think the enemy yes, yes, is? Yes, 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 yes. He asks, what do you think the enemy is? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is... <sighs> Y'all... It's, it's, if you watch this episode and didn't mull over that question, and it didn't stick in your head, well, I'm sorry, but now it's going to. <laughs> and now you're going to rack your brain just going, wait, shit, what, wait, what is the enemy? <laughs> oh, man. And so that's kind of the end of the episode proper. And last week, we explored in excruciating detail the new intro. So, obviously, we now have to unpack the new outro, the new credit scene. So, uh, what, what's your, what's, because I, Lucas, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I've got a, I've got some stuff to say about this. But, I want to know where you started. Because I started with... The Rolling Walnut. Where did you start? That's exactly where I started as well. Okay. Okay. Lay it on me. What do we got? Well, we have a Rolling Walnut. Yep. You know what? Hold on. Do, give give me a little, just just for the audience at home to refresh our, our minds, um, give me kind of a, uh, a breakdown of the outro scene because it's not long. But what what exactly is going on in this? Paint paint a beautiful tapestry for us. Um, yeah, if I recall correctly, the outro is the Rolling Walnut and a lot of scenes of walls with paintings on them. Yep, yep, yep. Um, there are also uh, various individuals. Um, uh, we have uh, a lot of the scouts. We have our main crew there, uh, and so and and it is this kind of um, the way that the camera work is has been. Um, has been directed and the way that it, it's it moves is it, it's kind of like this panning motion and it pans over these these kind of miniature scenes with these with these paintings on this wall so okay 
now that we're there, now that we're all in the same space, okay, take it away, Duke. Rolling walnut. How in the world could a rolling walnut be important? No shot, right? No shot. Actually, <laughs> this one, uh, I'm still mystified by it. I'm going to have to put some more thinking brain on this one because that rolling walnut has me rolling. Ah. Uh- uh okay. So here's here's what I got on the rolling walnut. Number one, it represents life, right? New life. Because if um uh you know, if this uh I mean I'm assuming this is how it works, but I'm pretty sure if a walnut gets planted, it turns into a tree, right? So based on that. Uh, th- this idea of um, of this cyclical nature, the idea that life will always continue to exist. You cannot extinguish it. A tree grows, the walnuts fall, new trees are born. So that's the first thing that I got. Additionally, think of the idea of walnut as um, as nutrition. It represents it represents food, right? So based on that, it, it represents nourishment. For those who eat it, which again we're going on kind of this theme of survival and and life being renewed. So, to me, the rolling walnut, um, and I mean even the trajectory, right? The fact that this walnut is rolling down, um, there is there's a there's a purpose to it, but it also could be that it's falling from a tree, perhaps. And so with that, we have this driven purpose of nourishment, survival for humanity, and the cyclical nature of life. So that's what I ended up getting on this rolling walnut. I mean, I also had a theory on, you know, the fact that walnuts are kind of, uh, you know, they're not easy to get into, right? A, a peanut, think about like peanut shell, right? You just look at it and that thing cracks open. But a walnut um, even with shoes, if you know, if you're not by like cement or something, even then, walnuts can be pretty hard to get into. And so with this one, I I I couldn't, you know, I, I was trying to think of it like, okay, exoskeleton, difficult to get into, but the inside is like life and nourishment. Uh, but I couldn't I I couldn't connect the two. Maybe uh, you know, maybe people much smarter than us can um can send us an email and give us their thoughts on the rolling nut um yeah plus the nut itself like walnuts itself are usually associated with like wisdom and discernment and stuff like that Mm. because the nut itself looks like a brain right and so just like a kidney bean you know is healthy for your kidneys or whatever the walnut is like a symbol of our minds oh i do like that walnuts are also supposed to be good for you So that's what I got. That's my contribution. <laughs> They're good for you. <laughs> you nailed it. Like you, like you absolutely nailed uh, it. Why do you do this podcast with me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. So from there, what's your next note? We're, we're, we're off of the nut. No more nut. Where do we go from there? My next note is the painting itself like seeing these like horses with these weapons raised and all these kind of symbols on there i'm like what is going on here yes so 
Um, the, uh, the painting, the best way that I can describe it in its um in its uh in its type, um, it's 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 certainly Neolithic, right? And and the very first painting it gives you, and and y'all, I'm gonna tell you this: if you just watch the outro without like pausing it, it is unbelievably easy to miss everything. There's one big thing here that we're talking about towards the end, um, that's hard. It's literally not hard. It's impossible to miss. But with these little things that we're talking about, unless you are pausing it to actually look at it, it is. It, there's no way you'd be able to see this. But it's a Neolithic painting of two armies at war. So the figures have swords and horses and in the middle of them is is what appears to be some sort of like a like a I don't know, like a symbol or like a cursor um or perhaps like a stronghold is maybe what it could represent, I don't know. But the key thing is the complete absence of titans in this painting, which means that humans were at war with each other. So if this is canonical, then and you know, which we don't know. We we don't know if the outro is actually canonical to what you know to what goes on. Um, but if it is canonical, then that means that two different societies of humans were once at war with each other, you know, which obviously represents much of our humanity and, and its history. But you know, it could also be representative of the fact that there are two um, you know, uh clashing um, ideas to, you know, we have obviously the military police and, um, and the scouts were clashing. Maybe it could be that, but if we take this literally, you know, a Neolithic painting of this, it, it means a very long, uh, history of humans with no Titans actually, um, uh, in the picture, which is, I mean, this is like a brain blast, right? This is like, unbelievable if that's if that's the truth so um after this um we get this kind of panoramic view of the 104th squadron cadets the you know the the aaron squad um and they're standing next to more of these drawings and to me lucas and i don't know about you but to me it looks this one doesn't look as much of a neolithic painting as much as it looks like a map. And the map, in this one, again, I don't know, you know, because I, 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 at this point in the show, we just don't, don't know. This is information that is like, whoa, pump the brakes, what's going on? And it gets crazier because this map includes humans. Now there's titans. There's walls. Ships. There is an enormous landmass and a really big body of water, right? So, yep. Uh, uh, so the map could feasibly be of the three walls where humanity is currently residing. You know, like it could represent like, you know, the body of water could be like a small stream or like a river. But the issue here is the depiction of a large enough body in water to harbor multiple ships and if this is indeed a map of another section of land, where is it, right? And what time era is this given the age of the drawings? So, you know, and we have all this stuff. But again, let's also never rule out the possibility of a classic red herring. Um, so 
what do you got there, Duke? What what do you got on this on this map thing? Do you think it's a map? I absolutely think it's a map. Okay. There's <clears throat> very few explanations I would see beyond that. Plus, you have like all these characters standing in front of them, mm. and it just reminisces back to this idea that Armin pointed out, like in the second or yeah. first episode, about like this the you know this a water a body of water full of salt, yeah, uh, oceans of sand. It's like Armin's dreams are on this wall. Yeah, Armin's wet his dreams book. are on this wall. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Armin's book is on this wall. I feel like that's what we're actually seeing is, like, pictures from Armin's book. Oh, I like that. Ooh, I like that take. That's a spicy take. Love that. Um. Okay. Then we have and, – and this one, Lucas – this one I could do without, but um, there is a classic Christ-like pose of Aaron as he transforms it to a Titan. And if you want to, Lucas, I will let you take the wheel completely on this because I listen. You know the transfiguration of Aaron as the Christ symbol, like y'all, it's pretty self-explanatory. Even if, like, you know, even if you're, you know, not not a Christian or not into, you know. Uh, uh, Christian uh, history or, you know, anything like that. It's it's so embedded in the history of humanity at this point in time, right? Like, I feel like it's pretty easy to get there. But, Lucas, if you, if you had a big old thing on it, go wild. Go ham. Yeah, no, I think you pointed it out perfectly. I was going to say the same thing. We've seen this before. We know what it is. Yeah. Like, come on. We could do better here. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, this is the case with, well, I mean— uh, on a super crazy level, um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, right, is like everything is Christian symbology. Um, but, you know, uh, there's so many shows that use this. Um, and it's like, it's like, yeah, I get it, but you also didn't have to. Anyways, okay. So, um, I will say this. I don't... I, there is a very small frame. And what I mean by frame is not like the frame of a picture, but the frame of, um, think of it in, in film. A, this small, tiny frame you have to pause for, where there are two T-posing humanoid figures standing side by side with strange writing between them and on either side of them. And so these T-posing figures are you know directly facing facing out facing the audience um and this is uh, again in that in that map or you know in a neolithic drawing um and i uh, at this point in time it's fairly unexplainable uh, you know if it can be explained at all i got nothing on that do you do you have anything on that duke these t posing figures um the only thing i have about that is like the scene that comes directly afterwards because mm. there's also like little like little figures like next to the two T posing oh. like giants, okay. they're like with little like wings or something on them. Whoa, okay. And so it like it appears to be they're like forming some kind of barrier, right? That's what I think when I see these T posing figures. 
So they're like kind of like the Lord of the Rings, like the two, like the Realm of the Kings oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell like yeah. Like it's some kind of like gate or entryway or you know, but their their arms are like out, so it feels more like it feels more like they're blocking something rather than being a gateway. But they're so tall, you could just walk under their arms. True. Yeah, uh, I'm going to – I can't believe that I haven't been making Lord of the Rings references this entire time, and I'm going to devote myself to only speaking Lord of the Rings references from this point forward. Um, I respect that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so a point of connection here um, is is definitely um, that the you know 104th uh, cadets um, are standing in front of or on top of what looks like um, – well, it looks like a seafront of some sort. Um, and the passing of time is then interposed on top of this kind of like still image. Um, I, I didn't have anything else. Did you catch anything there? Nothing there, but I did want to like rewind just a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, to, yeah, I know, I know Petra's in the scene now, so we might have forgotten our beloved Mikasa, but. Mikasa is shown standing next to a picture of a praying mantis. Oh, yeah. And that was very fascinating to me. Just the fact that she was isolated with this, like, usually solitary expert hunter of an insect. Yeah. And it appears to be, oh. like, consuming. I don't know. It looked To me, it looked like fish. But I couldn't really tell what it was eating. Maybe it was a butterfly. But I don't know. That really struck me as, I don't know. It was very, very striking. A solitary hunter. Oh, Lucas, that's the catch of a lifetime. That's so good. Holy shit. Um, so I, I believe um, when it comes to bugology, which is the official science term for the study of bugs, um, in bugology, if I'm not mistaken, the female praying um, mantis, man, 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 mantises, mantises, mantises. Oh, okay, so <clears throat> so in bugology, female mantises, uh, they are the they actually end up eating their male partners. So they're they're cannibalistic, yeah. I mean, well, they're I I don't know if they'd be that tasty. I mean, but maybe they are. But the fact that Mikasa is standing next to that, and I don't think this is. I mean, it could be, but I I, I don't know if this is meant to be a female praying mantis. But there's also that avenue that can be um, that can be explored there. Uh, but certainly, this idea of a praying mantis. Um, uh, th- that that you mentioned. God, that's a beautiful, beautiful take. That's so good. Um, also, in review yeah. of the picture, it's definitely a butterfly, not fish. I don't know why I thought it was fish, but it's definitely eating a butterfly. Okay. All right. Uh, certainly different. Um, but uh, yeah, because a praying mantis eating a fish, man, that would be a pretty fucked up bugology uh, world. Um, yeah, I was like, are there Titan bugs too? <laughs> and Titan fish? Um, so, okay. The final still 
um, that uh, uh, that that I saw, and, and the last thing that that stood out to me here um, is of vines and flowers grow uh, having grown on top of the original Neolithic painting. Um, supposedly, the, the original is what it you know it looks like at first glance. And so, you know, uh, you know, the idea of vines and flowers growing on top of it, you know, obviously indicating the passage of time since the creation of the painting. But we see that it is actually not the same painting um, or it has been painted over because um, there have been two flags added on the painting, one for each army. So, I mean, this could potentially mean that, you know, formal historical wars have occurred in the past, which again did not include Titans. And that, that all of the stuff we've been saying is so buck wild. Um, but, okay, what did you have on that last little part, Duke? Um, that I was just seeing, like, it felt like it was more ancient because of the vine growing over it. Oh, And that it was, like, it predated, like, anything that had happened before. Yeah. Huh. And so, y'all, listen, once again, right, we have way more questions than we have answers at this point in time. And... And that's assuming we can even trust anything that they have displayed here in the ending credits. So it's a, it's a lot to take in. And of course, where would we be? Who would we be without a little itty bitty teeny tiny mini music time? Mini music time? Mini music time, mini music time with C's. So, um, obviously, uh, you know, if we have a new ending credits, then that means we have a new ending credits song, baby. So, um, are you ready for this, Duke? You know, I'm always ready for music time. Ah, yeah. So, I'm not gonna lie to you, Lucas. This one is pretty fucked up so the song is titled great escape which uh, if you if you interpose great escape on just that title alone onto what we've just discussed in the outro like you know in all these images that's a whole nother layer of fucked up stuff so we're i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna dive into it but the actual song, Great Escape, was created by the artist Cinema Staff. Um, and this song is definitely a little bit, and again, the diversity um, of, our, uh, of our beautiful uh, music director and maestro, um, uh, Sawano-san, uh, it is incredible. So uh, how about uh, we go ahead and give the audience just a little taste of this rock and roll tune. Oh, 
So, there's... Okay, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to... And then I'm going to walk you through my thoughts. So, to me, there's not much to say here except for the fact that the lyrics are unbelievably cryptic. So, let me give you a few examples. Uh, uh, this is uh, this is uh, a lyric from uh, from the song. The voice of someone crying has become tremors in the earth. Let's start from zero. Farewell, final night. Okay, and the next one. This one says, "We're stepping beyond the storms. We're reaching out our hands." With all my strength, I extracted the stuck blade and said, quote, I am you, unquote. Now, I have poured over these lyrics again and again and again and again. I have looked at it through multiple translations. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with y'all. I have, I legitimately have nothing here on the lyrics themselves. I, I mean, I suppose, I suppose, like the 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 name of the track itself, and like there's like little bits and pieces of the of the lyrics uh, that could refer to the you know these humans finally having the power to escape from the three walls um you know and and they're reaching out right like uh, maybe that could be it they're reaching out to their you know to their destiny you know um a weird uh uh not fucked up version of manifest destiny right but at this point i i honestly don't have anything that is relative to the show um you know because i could break down this you know these lyrics as you know as general lyrics and give you the breakdown of what i think those lyrics mean um but that all of those have no bearing on the show itself um at least not that i saw and nothing that was explicit there's a you know there's like little vagues like oh maybe this oh maybe this but like i didn't see anything concrete so i don't know um, audience, maybe y'all at home, you know, saw something that I didn't. Uh, and if that's the case, let us know because I would love to know. But I, folks, this one, uh, most of these songs have been, man, they've been these like little, they, they've been kind of gold mines, you know, these like secret gold mines of information, and they provide so much depth to what's going on in the show. And this one's just like. This is like lyrics from like a a, a a Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Band, like I don't know what the fuck it is, you know. So, I, yeah. Before listen, uh, before I get more wrapped up into you know, before I had more, I get more wrapped up in these lyrics. I I wanted to thank you all for listening to explain this senpai, but before we go, we wanted to give a few. Shoutouts. I wanted to thank Vantage for the use of our theme song, Count What You Have Now, off of the album J Funk City. 
Vantage's Edit Collection. You can find details in the description below. Y'all, go listen to this song now. Go buy this album. Go support this artist. Uh, I'm going to say it every time. Might as well do it now. I'm going to shout out my friend Derek, who is getting married this week. Let's go. And I am so stoked for him. So shout out to you, true homie. Shouted out the podcast when we launched it. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Derek, and congratulations. Let's go, marriage. Let's go. <laughs> what have uh, you been interacting with this week, Seas? So um, here's the thing. All right. Listen close. I have been in a uh, in a content rut. Let's 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 just call it. Um, I uh, I have been playing. I will say this. I have been playing so much chess. It's like I basically bleed chess at this point in time. Um, and besides that, um, uh, I have been rewatching Peaky Blinders. Um, if, if there is for some reason a soul out there who hasn't watched this show yet, you've literally been Patrick starring your existence. Get out of the, get out from under the rock and go watch that show. But, um, anyways. Okay, I will. (laughs) Wait, there's no (laughs) reason. In which you haven't seen this show. I haven't. I'm there's y'all. This is not this is not scripted. Are you joking me, Lucas? No. Are you fucking me right now? Like right in the ass. Are you fucking me? I wish I was, but I'm not. Oh. Okay. Okay, Lucas, what have you been getting into? Tell me now, please. <laughs> I just... What? what? Well, I, f- I finally got into Squid Game. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I watched the Squid Game, the one that everyone told me to watch. Yeah. Not Peaky Blinders, Squid <laughs> Game. The one with the squids. Yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> okay, what, what did you think of Squid Game? Did you like it? Yeah, it was very, it rocked me to my core. It was shot really well. It was good. It wasn't Peaky Blinders. <sighs> I don't know. No, listen, I, so, hey, you can reach out to us um, on, on, I, okay, you do it, Lucas. I, I'm too, <laughs> just. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Lucas Gadam, my first and last name, at on Instagram and Twitter. Where can we find you, Cs? You can reach out to me um, on Twitter and Instagram at it's Cs underscore ITS C E E Z underscore. So we just wanted to uh, let you all know that we have an email that we want your thoughts, uh, questions, opinions on, uh, and we'll read them on air as well. Uh, that's explainthesempai at gmail.com. So please share, you know, anything you want with us over there. We look forward to reading your emails. Yeah, one thing that I want to make very clear about this email that we've set up, we we came into this podcast with the idea 
of having it be collaborative and having it be social. We want this to be a thing where where y'all can send us any ideas that you have, reflections on on the episode, things that we might have missed, comments on you know, uh, uh, what you thought about music time, mini music time. What's your favorite song? You know, what uh, what aspects of the show have you been really digging? What questions do you have for us? We, from the beginning, wanted this to be a thing that is collaborative, cooperative, that includes all of you because that's what we want, right? And, you know, one of the biggest ways to continue to do that is to continue to reach more people. And so if you can do me a favor and do two quick things for me, it I kid you not, it takes seconds of your time. And for us, it is absolutely priceless. If you can first rate and review us, um, you can do that on whatever, you know, podcaster that you uh that you listen to us on. But rate and review us. That is one of the um, the biggest uh, items for the algorithm. Uh, the other one, which is pretty uh, pretty weird, and uh, I don't know if you, uh, it, it, it's a thing that I learned. But the other thing that you can do is uh, you can download our show. Um, if you download uh, our episodes as they come out, and even if you just download them and then delete them right afterwards, it doesn't matter. But downloads actually are enormous for the algorithm and getting um, kind of our name out there. And again, the reason why we want to do this is because we want this to be as collaborative and cooperative with as many people as we can get in touch with because we genuinely want to know as many perspectives as we, as we can get. So if you can do us, just please do us a favor. If you've been listening and you've been with us so far uh, and you haven't done so yet, that's okay. But right now, this moment is the time to do that. So that is going to be it for us today. Be sure to join us for another episode of Explain This, Senpai. But until then, class is dismissed. <laughs>